welcome to LA Redux, a weekly podcast about LA news. I'm here with Alex Schmidt. Lovely to be here on this fine evening. And a very, very special guest, uh, a returnee, Matt Fleischer. Good to be back. The, the All-Stars, the, the LA Redux All-Stars, and we have a very special episode today. Uh, it's going to be a double pod uh, because we're going to preview the, uh, the election, the maybe election one, on maybe, Tuesday. Maybe a one and a half pod. We'll see. Double pod, <laughs> one and a half, double pod, uh, election Tuesday, Barack Obama, Mitt Romney, et cetera, and so forth, and also some local ballot measures that we are going to run through at a rapid clip. We begin with Proposition 30. Uh, Governor Jerry Brown's tax initiative to fund public education. We've spoken about it previously. Uh, Prop 30 doesn't pass. Uh, then the trigger cuts that Jerry Brown uh, himself set up will be triggered and uh, public schools will lose billions. And that means like different class sizes, potentially shorter school year, cuts of different school programs, right? Yeah, um, actually, LAUSD Superintendent John Daisy has been uh, ringing the alarm bells about this. He says that he that they'll be forced to cut um, a few weeks off of the school year and uh, and probably cut other stuff too. But um, he said at one point that if Prop Thirty doesn't pass, the school year would end like in early April. Um, it is slightly below yes. Uh, it's about forty nine percent yes, forty one percent no. The rest undecided. It's very close. How does Prop 38 play into that? Sorry to jump ahead, but uh, yeah, yeah, I feel like it has to be discussed. All these cuts will be saved, one would assume, if, if Prop 38 passes. Or uh... um, Prop 38 essentially raises more money from a different formation formulation uh, and gives the money directly to the school districts. So it's kind of complicated. The trigger cuts would be triggered. So the district would lose money, but then it would also be getting money. So it, no one, yeah, it's later and in different ways. So it, it's complicated. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I think conventional wisdom, um, if you care about education, is yes on 30 and no on 38. Or 38 really yeah, doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. So those are those. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, let's move on to Prop 31. Let's just say that this is 9,000 words long. And it is a strange, uh, strange kind of potpourri of government reforms, and I'm using the air quotes because uh, I've been instructed not to use that. But it's a, it's a potpourri of government quote reforms, uh, including establishing a two-year budget cycle, uh, allows the governor to cut the budget unilaterally if there's a fiscal emergency, uh, requires the publications of bill at least three days prior to the legislative vote. Blah blah blah. Uh, essentially. Gives the governor more power, gives local governments more power, uh, makes new spending harder. Who wants to say anything about this? Raise your hand. You know, this, I admit, I, I get paid to look into this stuff, and this thing boggles me. Um, but I will say that uh, the Small Business Action Pack uh, has sent money um, to, to support this measure, and they're the same ones. Who's that, Munger? Uh, that's Munger, who's against uh, Charles Charles Munger, Jr., one of the many billionaires that we'll be talking about. Exactly. So he, he's, he's been fighting Prop 30, and he's for Prop 32, which I'm assuming we'll talk about next. Uh, so if, if, if he's in support of, of 31, I would hazard to say that's probably not the best thing. Uh, it's, it's tough to say. Uh, it's, uh, it's very complicated. The consensus, I think, is that it would have uh, a lot of unforeseen consequences. That sounds like a no. <laughs> right. Uh, whoa, by the way, way behind in the polls. So probably not even a chance of passing. Uh, all right, Prop 32. Matt Fleischer, start us off. 32 is definitely a big one. This is the uh, Special Exemptions Act. It's, it's basically purports to 
stop special interests from uh, donating to to uh, campaigns in the state of California, um, uh, essentially by eliminating payroll deductions for the use of political purposes uh, for both unions and corporations. Um, the only problem with that is that uh, corporations don't typically employ payroll deductions uh, for, for, on anyone for, for political purposes. You know, they, that's what that's what your profits are for. You you know, if you want to donate to a to a political cause, you you just do that. You can siphon off whatever funds you want. Uh, whereas unions, the way they fundraise um, is primarily through mandatory payroll deductions that are then used to advocate for their interests or for you know other progressive issues that they might support in the state of California and elsewhere nationally. So um, this seems to be, to me, just, just about uh, you know paycheck protection, punish the unions, and eliminate their influence from the state. Uh, we should say that unions uh, have an enormous amount of influence in the state. Uh, the California Teachers Union spends more than any organization or any individual, and the prison guards uh, have an enormous influence. What do you what do you say to that? That that maybe we should be in, uh, trying to cut down on the influence of unions, uh, public employee unions, of course. Sure. Uh, I mean, no doubt that you know. Uh, Unions do wield a tremendous amount of power in the state of California. The question is, do you, is it fair to completely eliminate that that uh, that power and not, uh, you know, and have the other side completely unchecked, namely, you know, wealthy billionaires and and corporate interests who supposedly would be targeted by this bill, but wouldn't at all and could, you know, donate freely. Um, so uh, I think I think uh, if there's a way to, to enact real campaign finance reform in the state of California, that would be wonderful. This is not it, however. This is a Trojan horse of a campaign, in, in my opinion. You know, masquerading is something it's not. Well, let, let me say that uh, I am, of course, in favor of taking most of the money uh, out of politics. Uh, and it's true, this falls more heavily on the unions. However, unions in, in California and in the city of Los Angeles, in my opinion, have uh, already right now dominate the process. And uh, the billionaires, while they spend a ton of money, as we can see in these ballot measures, uh, while the billionaires do have influence, it, it is nothing compared to unions who, uh, for example, when the California state legislature was considering passing uh, a bill that would make it easier to fire teachers that were accused of uh, molesting students, uh, the California Teachers Association went around and got the bill uh, blocked in committee. Um, the prison guards, uh, can, you know, are always blocking uh, reforms to the prison system. Um, I think they they have a despicable level of influence, and to say that uh, that billionaires are are somehow holding them in check or vice versa, it it doesn't seem even to me at all. You know. Uh I take your point. I would say that California unions represent 2.5 million members of, of the state of California. I mean, there are 2.5 million union members in the state of California as opposed to just a few billionaires. So, um, you know, in terms of their level of influence, they probably should be influential. There's, you know, it's, they represent a significant portion of the state. You know, I, as someone who follows a number of social justice issues, it's certainly true that the California prison guard unions has stood in the way of, you know, some initiatives I would like to see. That said, you know, the donors of the supporters of Prop 32 include people like Howard Amundsen, who is uh, one of the main people behind Proposition 8, uh, as well as Larry T. Smith, who's a heads the Family Action Pack, who who um, is pushing, you know, is in favor of uh, is in favor of um, uh, therapy for for gay youth, uh, you know, to kind of cure them of their homosexuality. So you have some people who are, you know, these are these are those are both issues, by the way, that unions largely, you know, we're, we're on the right side of. Um, so uh, I would have to say that, 
you know, even though that, yes, it, it can be true that unions have a dis- disproportionate amount of power in the state, you know, you don't want, you don't want their influence. Uh, you, you don't want people like Amundsen, like Smith, like Munger, like the Koch brothers to have their influence unchecked in the state of California. That's a dangerous precedent. And if you could have a genuine campaign finance reform, which is probably unlikely after in a post-Citizens United world, um, uh, you know, that would be great. But this is not it. So, um, and I will say, actually, the peop- one of the groups behind Citizens United was the Lincoln Club of Orange County, and uh, they were um, support Prop 32. So uh, it's kind of ironic that, that you know, most of us are in agreement that Citizens United is a terrible thing, uh, but one of the, the groups behind Citizens United is, is you know, behind Prop 32. So it seems like a, you know, it seems to clearly that this is not about campaign finance. This is about something else. Um, and that's, that's what I have to say on that. Great debate, guys. <laughs> uh, right. So let's say that, uh, oh, a lot of Koch brother money, some Koch brother money uh, for the no. Uh, this is the one with the most money spent on it. Uh, more than $130 million spent on this between the two sides. You mean uh, yes from the Cokes? On the yes. Yeah. Yes. The Cokes spent, yes, sorry. I got mixed up. Um, $130 million spent on this uh, on both sides. And it's still coming in. Still coming in. Uh, it's behind in the polls. This is probably not going to pass. Uh, almost certainly will not pass. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, prop 33, everyone's favorite prop. Alex? Um, not, not one of the sexier ones. It's been talked about too much uh, this cycle. But um, this is an, uh, a proposition created by Mercury Insurance founder George Joseph. He's bankrolling it with over $16 million. And basically it gives um, car insurance companies the ability to um, give people lower rates if they've had continuous coverage or if you want to put it think of it in a different way to enforce higher rates on people who have had a lapse in coverage yeah. um, young and people. young people or people who um, have hit tough economic times or have gotten sick or you know for whatever reason yeah. not driven for a while um, so uh, I think it's also sort of a grab for more customers by him because it would actually allow for um, lower rates when you switch to a new carrier and you've had continuous coverage. So if, if you've had continuous coverage, you could see how it might benefit you somewhat. But um, I think that the, the benefits would probably be marginal compared to the um, detriments to folks yeah. who aren't in great financial situations. I agree. This is, I think, one of the more ridiculous ones. Um, so we're, we're all agreed that we're voting no on this. The, the LA, the LA, the official LA Redux endorsement is no on 33. We move now to Prop 34, which uh, ends the death penalty. Pretty, pretty straightforward, right? Yeah, I mean, I think the latest figures I saw was it. I mean, one study I should say said it would save California 184 million dollars a year. Uh, that sounds pretty good to me. It's been California's had the death penalty since 1978, and we've executed 13 people. So, it isn't really working for us. Uh, we spend a bunch of money to for this not to happen, and uh, you know, um, I'd say it only makes sense just to get rid of it. Uh, it's save us money, eliminate eliminate the possibility of executing an innocent person. I mean, what I don't even understand what the debate is about. Polls are close on this one. Probably, probably not going to pass. It's a little bit behind, I believe. Prop 35: Human trafficking. Tell us about it. This proposition creates greater penalties for human trafficking. It expands the state's definition of human trafficking to actually be more in line with the federal definition of human trafficking. Um, And it it expands victim services. Um, So this is a measure 
that was brought by former Facebook executive Chris Kelly. I just love how each one has like the sugar daddy. Yeah, and um, who was an unsuccessful candidate for the Democratic Attorney General nomination in 2010. So he's doing this to look tough on crime. Yeah, I don't know what his future, you know, hopes are, but perhaps. And uh, in conjunction with a woman named Daphne Fung, a financial analyst who was inspired by a TV documentary on human trafficking. Now, um, on one hand, uh, you'd say, why, why would you know, why would we vote for something that seems to be a, quite a big amendment of state law, um, brought by this kind of flippant uh, duo? Um, on the other hand, so what? Why not make California law more in line with federal law and make the make the um, penalties against human trafficking more stringent? So, that's all I got to say. I'm not coming down one way or the other on this one. Yeah, this is a hard one. I mean, obviously, you want to public uh, punish sex traffickers, but at the same time, I'm always dubious of enhanced penalties for anything because it's not like we're exactly, it's not like we're soft on crime here in California. We've got, you know, the, the largest prison population arguably in the world per capita. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't, I can't pick a side either. I agree with what you said, although I am going to pick a side. I'm voting no on this. I'm voting, I'm voting for less less criminal penalties on, on all, all over my ballot. The polls show strong support. This is almost certainly going to pass. So I don't think it'll have too much effect one way or the other. I think there was some, like a really small figure of people who are serving time for this crime anyway in the state. So, uh, all right. Prop 36 softening three strikes. I wrote an article about this. Hasn't been published yet, but it will be hopefully, uh, right now, if you get two convictions on a violent offense, you get a third conviction, uh, it could be anything. It could be shoplifting a pack of gum. It could be smoking a joint. That's your third strike. You're going to jail for life, prison for life. Isn't that right, Matt? Prison, yeah. Um, this yeah. does not get rid of three strikes. It just uh, hopefully will mean that, yeah, if you, you know, not hopefully, if you, yeah, if you, uh, if you do steal the pack of gum as your third strike, that, that, that you won't spend the rest of your life in prison for it. Yeah, so we should just, I never really finished that clause, but we should say that the, the, your third strike would have to be a violent crime unless one of your first two strikes is on a list of crimes that include rape, murder, and child molestation. The folks not in favor of amending three strikes point to people who are in prison now and who could seek release, um, who, you know, have done some egregious things based on that. Yeah, only, uh, let's see, uh, 8,000 people are in in prison right now for for three strikes. Uh, About half of that number uh, has have misdemeanors as their third strike. Um, or rather, no, sorry, half that number have nonviolent offenses as their third strike, and uh, only 3,000 would be even eligible, because you actually have to apply, you have to apply to a judge to get released after, if Prop 36 passes, so only 3,000 would be, uh, would be eligible for that. Yeah, and at that point, I mean, yeah, they're eligible, and they, they, the judge still has a discretion whether to release them or not, so, I mean, I feel like that's the argument against, and it's rather weak. Yeah, it's stupid. This seems like such a no-brainer. I mean, three, yeah, 3,000, you know, people got busted for pot or something like that. Yeah, let them out. It's, I mean, obviously, there might be a few people. I mean, obviously, have some, some. I don't know, review their cases. But, I mean, this is this should happen. I mean, I can't, I can't even understand the argument against it, really. I agree. Uh, it's ahead in the polls. It's probably going to pass. So, finally, we, uh, the voters see things our way for once. All right, Prop 37. (laughs) Alex, tell us about Prop 37, genetically modified food. Ooh. 
This is a tough one. Prop 37 requires labeling uh, of, gen of genetically modified foods. Um, and my gut feeling about this is generally that um, when, when things are offered like this on a mass basis to consumers, to assume that they're, that they're bad for us until proven otherwise. You're saying genetically modified Gen food. Yes, much like cell phones, um, these things, uh, I, I, I err on the side of fear. Um, and so I'd like to know. Although you do have a cell phone. I do have a cell phone, can't avoid it. So um, I'd like to know. On the other hand, um, this law has some problems. Um, it's written in such a way that um, retailers uh, bear a lot of responsibility for making sure that genetically modified, incorrectly labeled genetically modified foods are not stocked on their shelves. And that could really hurt um, some small retailers and, and also bigger ones that I feel like, why should they be in the business of, of policing this? Um, in addition, there's also a possibility that um, that food prices uh, could go up. And ironically, that would affect the people who have the least choice about um, about getting the more expensive organic foods. Um, and they'd have to just go with the now more expensive genetically modified foods that are clearly labeled that way. Um, actually, you know, Michael Pollan came out um, vigorously uh, supporting Prop 37 um, because he see and, and a lot of people are kind of sort of in the food movement or watching this closely to see um, to see what happens because it's one of the most um, clear sort of uh, battles against quote unquote big food like Monsanto and DuPont. Um, uh, Monsanto uh, has donated eight million dollars to the no campaign, uh, which is outspending the yes campaign, $43 million to $8 million. Yeah, and actually between Monsanto and DuPont, they've spent, I think, like $12 million or much more. Um, so, you know, uh, there's also, I should say, there's a lot of exceptions to the law, you know? Restaurant food and booze, right? Yeah, and also like, like meats and poultry that have been fed with genetically engineered foods but aren't themselves genetically engineered are exempt. And there's all kinds of other exemptions too. So it's very confusing. It's a confusing law. It's a tricky one to sort out because you, you want to be in favor of uh, full disclosure, but at the same time, there's a sense that this would kind of unfairly weight uh, certain foods, right? I mean, I don't know about that. I, you know, sure, if, if it turns out that these things aren't bad for us, yes, then it would be unfair. But, you know, if I think we should know one way or the other. But I, I will I will say this, you know, if, if this doesn't pass, um, you know, last year, 88% of corn and 94% of all soybeans produced in the U.S. Uh, were genetically uh, altered. Um, so, you know, just assume that it's all genetically engineered. Pretty much all is. So I think, like, what we're going to see if this does pass is this label on freaking everything. Yeah, I mean... To be honest, I, I'm all for more information, although it, it does seem pretty intuitive. If you're, if you're buying something that has, I mean, again, if you're, Michael Pollan is in support of this bill. If you've read his book, you know that if it's got 20 ingredients on the label, it's probably genetically modified. So if you just, you know, if you buy, if you're, if you're buying, you know, an, well, I guess an apple could be genetically modified. I don't know. I'm now even, I'm confused. But uh, I, so, yes, I want labels. I want labels. I want, Yes. That's, that's just what I want, uh, and I don't even know that I can back that up, but I want it. Uh, the LA Times says no. Says it's sloppily written. Hmm. Yeah. This is ahead in the polls, but it's trending no. It's going to be close, 49% to 38%. It's going to be very close. We'll see. We'll your, see. I say go with your gut. No pun intended. No pun, no pun intended. Uh. 
38. Prop 38. We already mentioned Molly Munger's tax to fund public education. Not going to pass. All right. Prop 39. Taxes for out-of-state businesses. Alex. <laughs> okay. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so um, under this measure, uh, beginning next year, multi-state businesses um, basically will pay more taxes uh, to California. This would recoup about a billion dollars for the state. um, And it does seem like it's closing a backdoor loophole that that exists at at the moment um, that allows multi-state corporations to choose uh, how they're taxed. And this would just um, force them to to determine taxes based on where their sales take place. So it seems pretty straightforward. Um, There aren't that many multi-state businesses. It wouldn't really affect um, that many different companies, and they're huge companies, and it seems like an easy revenue generator. I like this because it gives us money, and I like money. However, there's one thing I don't like about this, which it says that in the first five years, a lot of the money has to be spent on green jobs, which is sort of, this is a big problem in California. They call it what do they call it? Ballot box budgeting, I believe, uh, where voters have earmarked all these little pools of money to go to little special interests. And uh, it is a big problem. It is one of the reasons why we're in uh, we're in the mess we are. Uh, Matt, anything? Yeah, I mean, I think that the number was half has to go to green jobs. Yeah, I mean, this is money that this is money that wouldn't exist without the bills. So if you're, I mean, we're talking about a billion dollars. So it's a half a billion dollars to close the budget gap. And if with that other half billion, you're closing, you know, you're you're creating some jobs. I don't, you know, it might not be the ideal use for that money, uh, but it's better than nothing. So uh, LA Times votes yes. Yeah, LA Times endorsed yes. Daily News endorsed no. Uh, it's way ahead in the polls. Voters like their money. Don't we all? All right, we are almost through Prop 40, which affirms the state Senate redistricts that were newly drawn by the Independent Citizens Redistricting Commission. If you like the new districts, then you want to vote yes. If you don't know anything about the districts, a lot of people are saying yes. I don't think a single newspaper uh, endorsed the no position. Uh, Anything? It's a yes. Yeah, it just seems like if you vote no, it's going to cost more to do the exact same work over again is basically what's going to happen, the redistricting work over again. So I guess by almost forced into voting yes. Uh, Lots of people say vote yes. I say vote yes. Anyways, it's ahead in the polls. It'll probably pass. The L.A. County ballot measures. So exciting. We have three, three, count them, three L.A. County ballot measures. We begin, of course, with Measure A. Measure A. I'm explaining this one, right? Yeah. Measure A, (laughs) which is, this is... uh, This may be the silliest one out of everything we're going to talk about today. Not that it's bad or good, but it's just so silly because it actually doesn't do anything. The County Board of Supervisors was thinking about changing the uh, position of County Assessor, which is now held by John Noguez, who is currently in jail. Uh, They were thinking of changing that position from uh, an elected officer to an appointed official. Um, So instead, they put it on the ballot and are asking for a, quote, advisory vote end quote, uh, to tell them what we think they should do. This would mean that then if, you know, an assessor like John Nogas, he is currently, you know, sitting in jail, collecting his outrageous salary, right? Because he's an elected official. Now, if he were appointed, couldn't he just be fired? Uh, I believe that's true. Do you have anything uh, to contradict that? I do not. Sounds good to me. The LA Times says no. Daily News says yes. 
All right. Uh, measure B. Measure B, condoms. Condoms in porn. This would require uh, pornographic films shot in L.A. County to use condoms on, on the phalluses, shall we say. <laughs> this is already law of the land in city of L.A., by the way. So this would just kind of apply to the rest of the county. No female condoms, then. No, no female condoms. <laughs> um, but, but yes, condoms on the boobs. I think that this is a really, really dumb idea. It was dumb at the city level. It was dumb at the county level. Um, why should, first of all, the, the, the rate of uh, getting STDs in porn is way lower than, than real life uh, because por porn actors are required to show up on set with uh, STD tests, uh, with a printout of all their STD tests. So um, it's already, the, the industry has a strong uh, incentive to self-regulate this. Um, and uh, uh, this is just, I think, ridiculous. Both the Daily News and the LA Times uh, have endorsed the no option on this. Is that, what, is that true what you said? No female condoms? This is just male condoms? Uh, because that seems like it could be challenged constitutionally under the equal protection, <laughs> you know, I smell lawyers and I smell legal challenge. I uh, don't hear the word smell. Like, <laughs> that's uh, good point. Uh, all right, we'll leave it at that then. <laughs> All right, and finally, finally, we come to the end with Measure J. Measure J about public transportation. Uh, it would extend Measure R, which was passed by voters in 2008, a half percent sales tax. Uh, it was supposed to last 30 years, so this would be extending it for yet another 30 years. Uh, it would uh, accelerate a number of uh, public transportation projects. Alex? You know, being a public transport infrastructure, urban development nerd a bit, uh, I'm pro. I'm pro accelerating transit development. Yeah, me too. I like the subway. We do actually have a poll about this. Uh, the LA Weekly has published a poll. Uh, this needs two thirds uh, of the vote to pass, by the way, because it's a tax. And uh, and the the poll has it at uh, just about two thirds, just barely two thirds. So it is going to be close. Um, Measure R passed, uh, so this this could very well pass. Um, there there is against? yeah there is there's actually a number of arguments against. I, I think the one the strongest argument against is from the people that don't live in L in the city of L A. And the Measure R basically gives a disproportionate amount of money to the subway to the sea. Uh, it is a little bit suspicious that this Measure R was only passed four years ago, and they're already asking for another extension. I, I do think that there's a lot of questions to be asked about this, but um, but I also am in favor of uh, all these all, all these transit projects and uh, would like to see them before I'm dead. So uh, it is a complicated issue. Um, we are done. Thank you for staying with us uh, to, for this marathon pod. Uh, we will be back next week on Wednesday, where we will talk about the results of the election, so we'll be a day late. Uh, please, please be patient. Uh, we know you'll all you'll all be uh, be expecting to hear about the election from our pod. Uh, many thanks to our very special guest, Matt Fleischer. Thanks for having me in again. And of course, Alex, thank you. Lovely to be here as always. And to you, the listener, we will see you next week. Bye.